you all. Can you hear me? Okay, because I, as Annie said, am a mic girl. Uh, I, you know, it's it's lovely to to see you all here. Um, I feel like I dropped into the midst of a community that was in full swing, um, which I know is true. And uh, but everyone has made me welcome and um, made me feel as much. Uh, as possible, like a part of this this community uh, for my my short stay, and and I really appreciate that. So, um, let me just jump in. I will um, be reading mostly from my um, most recent collection. Um, and thank you for the introduction. That was great. With no notes, and you know, just like by heart. Um, the The name of it is the New Black. And um, the way I usually describe it is as a, um, a collection of poems that are meditating on the meaning of race in the US um, at this moment. But it's not just at this moment. In fact, what inspired the book was um, my, the way I was beginning to think because of my college students and um, my nieces who were born about five years ago. Um, the way I was beginning to, to see the differences between how people experience race based on when they're born. Um, I had sort of always realized that there were some things that my mom and I didn't see eye to eye on. Um, but it sort of shocked me that um, my students were um, seeing things differently than I was and rather than jump to a, the conclusion that they were wrong <laughs> and I was right, I decided to, to think about, you know, how the same stream of history can look different depending on where you come in. Um, so, so many of the poems speak to that in direct and indirect ways. Um, and uh, I'll read a few new poems as well. So the first poem is the poem that opens the book. It's called My Last Modernist Poem, number four, or, <laughs> or Re-Rebirth of a Nation. A clean-cut man brings a brown blackness to a dream-carved, unprecedented place. Some see in this the end of race, like the end of a race that begins with a gun a finished line we might finally limp across. For others, this miracle marks an end like year's end, the kind that whips around again and again, an end that is chilling with a lethal spring coiled in the snow. Ask Lazarus about miracles. The hard part comes afterwards. He stepped into the reconstruction of his life knowing what would come, but not how. So, um, yeah, part of what's, what's going on in this book is, is my uh, processing of the, the idea of us being post-race. Post-race. <laughs> <laughs> so this next poem is called My Life as China. I was imported. I was soft in the hills where they found me, shining in a private dark. I absorbed fire and became fact. I was fragile. 
I incorporated burnt cattle bones, powdered remains, ashes to ashes. I was baptized in heat, fed on destruction. I was not destroyer. I was not destroyed. I vitrified. None of me was the same. I was many. How can I say this? I was domesticated, trusted, treasured. I was translucent, but not clear. Put me to your lips. I will not give. I will give you what you have given me. Um, are there any Marilyn Monroe fans in here? One or two? Any Ella Fitzgerald fans in here? A few more? Okay. Um, so I'm a fan of both, and I was really surprised a few years ago to figure out that um, they had a connection, that they, um, they had a, a friendship even. And um, the story goes that, in fact, Marilyn Monroe helped Ella Fitzgerald uh, basically um, cross the hurdle of the color line. Um, they met at a time when Fitzgerald was still not able to play in whites-only clubs. Uh, this is in the 1950s. And, um, but Monroe was a huge fan of Ella Fitzgerald's. And so when she found out that this club in L.A. was the, the club at the time, called the Macombo, um, which I just found out means hideout in, in like Portuguese, which is fascinating to me for other reasons. Um, so the Macombo wouldn't, wouldn't give her a contract. And when Monroe found this out, she called him up and she said, if you book Ella Fitzgerald for a week, I will take a front row table every night that week, and the press will come, and the crowd will eat it up. And so they did, and she did, and they did, and it all worked out. Um, so it got me thinking. It gave me a chance to think about why we wouldn't associate them and uh, what they, in fact, have in common. So this poem is called Celestial, and for those of you who are at the craft workshop, this is a poem in the Geigen form. Celestial, L.A., the mid-1950s. Her name was Ella, L, French for all women, every woman, she, the third person, feminine, hippie, buxom, regal curls piled atop her head, soft shiny crown for her diamond voice, the soaring swooping bird, the orchestra in her throat, the stars in her eyes, the star in front of her eyes, each night, one week, at the Macombo, her name was Norma, she wasn't normal, blonde, her name was Marilyn, the eye and angelic, first person, created and imagined concept, the image of pure beauty, sound, power. Her name was Ella, L in French, all women in her eyes, the star in front of her eyes each night, glamorous, first lady of song, iconic, backstage, the effort behind the effortlessness, the exercise, the training, the makeup that made up the woman. Her name was Norma, Marilyn, Ella, Estelle, the star. Um, so I thought I'd read one poem. Somehow place has come up a lot um, here. It's, where are you from? Where are you from? So um, this is where I'm from in more ways than one. 
a background in music. Music City USA it was, nothing doing without a song, and not just twangy tunes that rhyme southern drawls with guitar strings, though it's true I knew Charlie Pride before Charlie Parker, but music, 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 Broadway numbers, one, broadcast over speakers in the park, Pointer Sisters fingering Ohio players on the school bus, the elementary chorus performing a patriotic medley for the bicentennial, the high school mad ringing the carol of the bells out of our overworked throats each December, WVOL simulblasting car wash or little red Corvette out of the windows of every deep ride rolling in the black neighborhoods, melodies to carry over the clap, slap, snap of our hands clocking time, Miss Mary Mac, 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 or to keep us out of trouble with the jump rope, pep squad cheers to perfect, spontaneous spirituals in the church parking lot, and yes, some country, the Mandrells, the Oak Ridge Boys, tuning into Hee Haw's ban- banjo humor and gloom, the music was howdy and what's up, hell nah, and ah yeah, merry, happy, baby, baby, and God loves you if no one else does, to ourselves, to applause, and talent shows, in choirs, on cue, and mostly on key, we sang everything there was to say. So it is, um, it's always a particular pleasure to read to people who are not per se poetry people, but who are artists, artists in uh, other media than language. Um, so I'm going to read two, um, two poems that I have, well, actually three poems I have in the book that are ekphrastic poems, uh, which you probably know uh, just means poems that are descriptive of uh, art, visual art. Um, so this first one is a sonnet um, um, that was written in response to Louise Bourgeois, um, her, her installation piece, Seven in Bed. Hopefully somebody might know that. If not, if you Google it later, the poem will have this whole other meaning for you. (laughs) It's called Love Life with Stitches. That's how we are in bed, all body and raw with desire. The self we've somehow patched together is revealed, voila, as handiwork, unhandily done. Covers snatched back to expose ungraceful seams. We're arms reaching past the one who's holding us close to touch another, whose flesh, in turn, warms to what it can't quite grasp. We're our own foes, Janus's, half lost in longing or rank nostalgia for some lover past or yet to come, anyone but the one whose flank is pressed against ours. One mouth tastes the wet lips of yes now, while our other mouth sighs for an unsoft shoulder, unseeing eyes. And um, this other one, is after Frida Kahlo's, uh, Frida Kahlo's, I guess that's the right pronunciation, Broken Column. Yeah, so poem, uh, paintings that I love, uh, art that I love, gets transformed into language in some uh, inadequate way, but here it is. It's called Riven. I shift against the leather of my desk chair, aware my back is off, awry, 
against me and the daily devotion I show to keyboard and screen. My back makes its position clear. Deep breathing discovers a depression in my mental image of this fickle body, right where my spine begins to dip, drains it out, only for pain's bitter juice to flood back in again. How much relief did Frida Kahlo imagine she'd find in giving a brace responsibility for her back? How much did she let herself taste? When does clamping down hard against, un, against certain unrelenting aches begin to numb the senses indiscriminately? My back tells me, Kalo, <laughs> I'm going to pronounce her name however I want to. My back tells me <laughs> Kahlo tacked her self-portrait to canvas with oil to give herself nerve, nerves. No mirror, this painting reflects what occupies her innards, what rives her so raggedly from chin to coccyx. She could never bear, has forgotten how to look as ripped apart as she feels, cannot afford feeling. Only with her artist brush can she bead her face pearly and be open to flowing. Only that tool reveals her most distinct feature to be wings. She would fly the wasteland where her pain lives if she weren't a pillar of civilization, weighted to earth by marble, gray, sculpted, no less heavy for all its cracks. And one more that's, that's um, responding to art, um, but this time it's it's a photograph that's in the book. You probably can't see it, but you can look later. I'll be glad to show it to you. So, um, it's called Womanish. They are both the me I wish I'd been at their age. Tween avatars of the two personas I alternate like a hologram. The girl on the left is drenched in rainbows, even in a black and white. Colors arc across her t-shirt, her bead necklace, button earrings, and fabric bowrette are a candy-coated clutch on childhood. Big white plastic shades melt her eyes into the chocolate of her skin. Blonde braids streak through thin individuals pulled up and back from her face, then left to swoop towards her chin. The V of her fingers leans on its side, a gesture that shows how dope and mellow she is, but also puts a cat on the edge of her glasses. No curve breaks her mouth's cool plane. Behind and to her right, her alter ego, and mine, pushes her lips up beneath her nose and lets her cheeks rise on her cheekbones as her sense of mischief draws a parenthesis around her smile and shines out of her eyes, unhidden. She's graduated to bling, gold chain hanging over a worn collar, a thick textured ring bright on the finger beside the one she gives the photographer, as generous as her friend is reserved. Don't fuck with us, they both signal, impassive pacifist and trickster of self-defense. We'll take care of you. Um, I think one more um, in or around the world of art. Um, the Musée de l'Homme in Paris uh, is 
It's not so much an art museum, I guess, as a, it, stand, it means the museum of man. And the emphasis in this case is not on mankind, but man. Uh, and uh, this is a poem. I think the, you probably might want to see it. It's round. <laughs> and that's important to me. I just wanted to gesture to the, the visual artist that I care about the visual in my poetry. So this is um, a poem about a, an exhibit that I saw there uh, about two or three years ago. At the Musée de l'Homme, an exhibit called Femme du Monde is on displayed legs, shaved vulvas announce no peace, no pussy from La City of Angels. One imagines that beneath their light blue chadris, the women of Afghanistan are also as bare as the day they were born bearing psychic scars after cleansing. The Darfurian refugees, the Hutu, the Tutsi, they cover with floral scarves, wrap themselves in fabric bearing the words, stop the violence against women. Did she or the photographer who pays his women the going European modeling rates choose to position this printed protest across her derriere apropos of the Brazilian cut bikinis of women in Cali and Sao Paulo, les femmes as tourist attractions, mutilations cut the pleasure of African women in half, but afford the men of the museum another opportunity to view the clitoris disappearing like Sarchi Bartman's at long last. The smile of the indigenous Tahitian woman who comes right out of a Gauguin with lips and breasts plumping round and firm from her youthful body, decorated with painted designs as intricate as the hairstyles the Mauritanian twins in Nouakchott change like costumes to match their moods, like the messages on the t-shirts of the all-girl punk band in Beijing screaming in English, have rock and deeds, not words, from passion to politics and the critique the aboriginal Australian artist spits of the white man her broker's greed, demanding more than 50% of the selling price of her works because it's his market and her, their, women's place in it is lying on a bed, on a cot, on a mat, on the floor, always horizontal, be they lawyers, soldiers, princesses, prostitutes, actors, activists, or acrobats. On five continents, in dozens of countries in the world, the women are lying down down for the men, the men of the many museums, museums that bring them back to the drawing board and hold them still for the camera, the visitor, the voyeur, the man, even the woman of the north, south, east, west, who will leave this exhibit feeling at best equal parts desire and disgust for the sad and sexy and vulnerable and plaintive and open and apathetic and inviting and inaccessible and yours for the taking as book or DVD. Um, this next poem is one that's re really very directly connected to um, the themes of the book as a whole that I was talking about at the beginning. How are y'all doing? Okay. It's okay? All right. Um, it's, um, it was definitely inspired by my twins, my twin niece, my twins, uh, my twin niece's birth. Um, and I was luckily able to, to, to get away um, and go and spend probably the first couple of weeks of their lives um, with them. My mom was there, and um, it was uh, a real 
a special thing to hear her singing to them songs that she had sung to my sister and me when we were uh, growing up. Um, so one of the songs that she was singing got into my head and my thinking, as I said earlier, about um, what kind of world they were being born into and what kind of world they would um, have when they grew up got me, um, it produced this poem. So it's called Duck, Duck, Redux. And it's got two epigraphs. The first one is, those who cannot remember the past are destined, are doomed to repeat it. And that's George Santayana. And the other one is, those who cannot forget the past are destined to remix it. And that's me. <laughs> duck, duck, redux. This is the way we wash our face, wash our face, wash our face. This is the way we wash our face so early in the morning. This is the way we segregate our schools in 1896. This is the way we segregate our schools in 2007. Mary had a little lamb, a bad, bad black sheep with three bags full of wool. It followed her to school one day, work one day, Wimbledon one day. It followed her to church one day, which was against the rule. This is the way we patrol the roads in the antebellum south. This is the way we patrol the streets in our shiny New York. Cue wedding bell. Oh, bring back my Shawnee to me. This is the way we appropriate black culture in the post-reconstruction period. This is the way we appropriate black culture in the 21st century. This little piggy went to market, got mad bling for spitting whack rhymes and calling women hoes, and still wound up crying wee, wee, wee all the way home. <laughs> this is the way we use a noose in Jim Crow America. This is the way we use a noose in Gina, Louisiana. Little Blues Boy, come blow your horn. I'm sorry to tell you, but his horn's done gone. And as for the boy who used to blow so sweet, he's under a mountain of debt working for minimum wage. This is the way we wash our hands of you historically, throw you into the Atlantic, spray you with Birmingham hoses. This is the way we wash our hands of you today with jerry-rigged levees. So early, so, so early in the millennium. So I'll read like maybe two or three new poems and then close with a series from the book. Um, I don't know how many folks are from a Christian tradition. Um, I came from a Christian tradition and I don't know where I am right now, but um, it helps to understand this poem if you know the story um, uh, of Peter denying Christ three times before the cock crows. So that's, that's the, um, the story behind the poem. All right, front and center and another way of thinking about it. Um, it's got a, a title that's a word I made up. Um, I was thinking about prophecy and improvisation. And the poem is called Improvised. Imagine Peter, not nodding over his palms that dawn, but praying the vindictive prayers of the righteous, 
drawing enough testosterone up from his balls to light all the dew in the garden, a fire, more than enough to keep him awake, enough even to make him slap Judas's silvery lips before they could kiss the sacrifice, causing chaos among the spear-bearing Romans. Imagine him alive with fury, alive with the fury of love and utterly blind to the lacerated look on his friend of friend's face, denying nothing, not his name, not his faith, not his rage, hurling affirmations at his inquisitors. Yes, I am the man. This Peter, all flesh and flood, imagine him murderously steadfast, less rock than stone, a self-made weapon, still weeping at cock's crow, every prediction rewriting itself anew in his woeful image, human if he did, and human if he didn't. Um, is anyone, well, there's one playwright in the room. Is anyone uh, a fan of Tennessee Williams, Streetcar Named Desire? If you've seen that, um, you, you may or may not remember these characters. Um, this is a poem about, um, that's most primarily about two characters who have very, very small roles in the film, um, but who caught my attention. It's called, a Mexican woman and a Negro woman work the Elysian fields. The vendor of flowers patrols the fog, looking for anyone who looks thinner than petals, than mist. The vendor of fog patrols the flowers, seeking anyone who can see through clouds, through colors. They are barely, rarely visible. One can be heard faintly, Flores, parlos muertos, flores, flores. The other laughs mockingly, too loud. The laughter of the vendor of fog greets the widow of desire upon her entrance. The widow of desire, ghostly, hysterically white, a wilted, whiskey-clouded magnolia. The faint call of the vendor of flowers sends her back among the dead. The vendor of fog dances a second line among the flowers, laughing irrepressibly. The vendor of flowers threnodies through the fog, leading the lost to rest. Um, this next poem, uh, if I said to you that I am the 99%, you, you know where I'm coming from. <laughs> Okay, so um, many of you are also the 99%, <laughs> um, or I hope, I hope you think so. This poem, um, I wanted to say that before I read this poem because um, this is not a poem that's critical of that movement, but it is a poem that is about language and the importance of remaining really conscious of its power and its history. Banking on amnesia. Manhattan was preoccupied with the price of beads. Chicago, Illinois was preoccupied with DuSable's black fur trade. 
Tennessee was preoccupied with following the market in organic saline. It had been trailing since Jackson was in office. Massachusetts was preoccupied with the steep cost of religious pilgrimage. Tulsa, Oklahoma was preoccupied with one kind of black gold. It didn't place much stock in the other kind. Alaska was preoccupied first with the rush on fur, then with the mining industry. The Dakotas were preoccupied with wheat as a cash crop. They were railroaded into it. Minnesota was preoccupied with timber, which was grist for the mill. Texas was preoccupied with first one thing, then another. Its economy flagged until oil surfaced. Missouri was preoccupied with the Louisiana Purchase. Arizona was preoccupied with a bankrupt Christianizing mission. It went from broke to broker. Alabama was preoccupied with agriculture from the start. Other futures foreclosed until it acquired a coastline. Mississippi was preoccupied with blankets and bullets, incorporating them into its culture in exchange for mounds and mounds of land. And uh, if you all have the patience for about uh, nine minutes, there's a series of uh, short poems that closes the book, and I'll read them through. They go fast, and that's one thing about them. They're sort of fast-paced. They move by sonic association and um, sort of um, uh, other kinds of association, idea, uh, idea associations, um, and uh, they touch back on things that appear through the book and, and within each other. Um, just let it wash over you and, and, uh, and send you on to your, your creative ways. They're called the farewell letters. Dear Ace Bandage, the wound is hard to place. The wound is not your job. I thought I needed you, but things are already tight. You are like putty in my hands, or is my thinking colored? Flesh tone or dial tone, who are you going to call? Your pretty silver brooch sets in, holds you at attention. Could it clasp the skin together long enough for two flaps to reattach? Mismatch, rematch, love, ace, deuce, game, open. Dear Cuddly Dharma, you make it easy to say no, just. I turn a blind eye to temptation after staring hard into your hydrogen smile. We spoon, and I hate to stir, but fetish is always in the mix. Even fate looks glamorous by lamplight, spotlight, hot. Wound or wood, wood or wooden, better, better, better. You have a dream of nightmarish proportions. Where there's a will, there's a way, unanchored, unmoored, off. Dear existential fallacy, I need you to be concrete. You need me to liquidate my account. Poor, poor me with my fluid tale, tale to hear you tell it. Fluent in six currencies, dirty lucre. You tracking bills counterfeited by the page. Liar, liar, pants the town crier. Griot, seer, seek, psych. That baby went out with the dirty dishwater. Cross my palm with olives. I will tell you your pastime. Your passive voice is dated. Dear gift horse, open wide. Now bite down. 
that incident was not an accident. Don't. Act like I'm stupid. Do you come with a saddle? Which way to the sunset? That's the thing about possibility. It's dark in there. You can't judge an R&B song by its covers. Colors. Dolores is blue. Why must she give up her security blanket? She's had it since she was born. My, what sharp teeth you have. All the better. Dear Inkjet, black fast, greasy lightning, won't smear, won't rub off. Defense, a visual screen, ask an octopus, bio loop. Footprints faster than a speeding bully, tracking dirt all over the page. Make every word count. One, two, I am, octoroon. Half-breed, mutt, mulatto. Why are there so few hybrids on the road? Because they can't reproduce. Trokey choking, okay, mocha. Ebony, by contrast, says so much. Dear kerosene lamp, I thought I'd put you behind me. You're still there, back in the day, but casting your glow into my future. Casting call, cattle call, who you gonna call? What gets you fired up? A decent fuel, feud, food for thought. Wiki, 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 wiki. I carry a torch for you. Daytime decor, nighttime necessity, curiosity. Dare we step beyond your radiant radius, holy, holy, antiquated, the way we live now. Dear mid-afternoon nap, allow me, no, after you, to take a break and make it last forever. What's up with the pointy ears? What planet are you from? Questions as old as the stars, scars, slurs. We go boldly into new worlds, all our expectations intact, no new ideas. Secret hopes of meeting our own warped selves in poor disguise. Gauzy, hazy, who's he? You, me, wake up, wake up, whenever you are. Morning bells, here. Ring, rang, wrong. <laughs> Dear opaque policy, transparency is the new, this is for your own good. <laughs> Covering your ears is a sound defense. The status quo never looked so good. Goods and servers. Ye gods, the national security blanket is a crazy quilt. A ward, a wash, away, a wall. A globe warming up to consumption. He's got the whole world in his lands, friends, ends. Trust me, must we? Survey says property and life and liberty, but only if you're not it. Tag. Dear Quaalude Residue, you left a coating of many colors along the walls of my veins. Bloodstream. Mainstream, settle down. It's no game, this trivial pursuit of happiness. Are we there yet? When reality doesn't go down easy, take something that will. What are we waiting for? I'm shaken, but not stirred. Who cares, shares, tears, cloud our eyes, billows, barrows, wheelbarrows, red and full of white chickens. Now you can rest. Dear safety test, do not pass go, do not pass on, do not collect goose eggs, don't risk it all. Resistance is fertile, fragile, versatile. Can you steal home? Can you steal away? We need results. You need dummies. Let's make a wheel, again, from the beginning. The skin is the first layer of defense. If this were a real emergency, you would receive an SOS calling all black folks. Come in, come out, ready or not. I ain't got long. Dear untimely Violet, I doubt you 
or your rich hue. Your sturdy whisper has no credibility in the era of precautionary bombing. Greed wants war. Need fights it. Bread for ammo. Sent for you yesterday. Here comes trouble. Come in, trouble. Hits like a glove. Boxes. Fits like a love. Clings. Rhymes with trigger. And don't neither one mean no good. I'd rather the bullet. Go on. Pull it. Afraid? Chicken sticks. Names will never let go. Dear White Xmas, cross my heart, heat, hurt, an insulting injury. The wound is hard to place. Oh, ooh, X marks the spot. Spooky, tis the season to be haunted, attached to the past, in the grip of ships. Ahoy, unmoored, a pale ailment, hail and well met. Meant well, enough. Frothy, snow-capped waves, an icy greeting, a cold snap, slap, slip. A light mare, lightly whipped, screamy, hissy, fit to be tied, a tempered tantrum, just like the ones I used to throw. Dear Yesterday Zero, you were a beacon of just is, an iron maiden carrying a dark torch. You're off for tomorrow's equation with a long fixed formula. The sum is greater. Here's a new math, maybe involving less division, a chance to set a light out for the territories. Suited you to a T to sink a hole in one. E pluribus the same old unum. Today the game has changed. New rules. You've met your match. Score for now. Love all. Thanks.